0: 48 hour art check best of podcast we go live monday Monday, wednesday on youtube 9
1: p.m california time and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later you can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48hr we take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast
0: Today's topic is who it's hard to verbalize like in a short sentence what it is. But d- the the general basis is when you're working on creative projects, often your brain goes into a um, a kind of problem solving mode by default. And that problem solving mo- mode can just like haunt you throughout your your time off as well as your time on at work. Um, and so you know, when you're working on your own personal projects, you you generally are going to have to balance them with paid work. And so I, we, I, I thought it would be an interesting topic to kind of talk about the methods of balance and uh, whether that kind of continues to haunt um, creatives all the time, and like, maybe get into some possible methods of like, how to either shut that off or activate it. Um, that might be kind of interesting topic to dip into.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also, I want to throw into the mix, um, like in being very intentional about when you're thinking about what, because, um, I will catch myself, uh, you know, hanging out with my daughter or eating dinner with the family and I'm not there, you know, I'm off somewhere else, you know, like writing expressions in my head or, you know, trying to figure out the composition of something. And, um, and what I've found, and I don't know if this is like overly simplistic, um, but I have to like make a conscious decision. um, And I literally think like, Oh, I'm in family time now. Like I'm, I'm going to be present and I will put my phone in my pocket and I will begin engaging in the conversation and, and ask people about what's going on and answer questions. But like, as soon as I catch myself giving the answers, where, you know, my wife would be like, "So how's your day?" and I like pause for like ten seconds while I'm like thinking through a problem, and then I go, "I was, I was fine. Um, yeah, I was good." You know, and then she's like, uh, "And then I'm like, oh, sorry, I was working through something." Um, and then also the like the understanding from your family where there are kind of like that those moments where it's like strike where the iron is hot. And, uh, those are pretty rare, but sometimes I've gotten to the point where I can kind of tell like, Hey, sorry, I need to get this down really fast. And if I can get it into a form that I can remember it later, I can, I can, I can finish solving that problem later, but like, I just need to get it into my sketchbook or my iPad and just be like, take a note, you know? And sometimes those don't even make sense to anybody or, you know, just draw a quick thumbnail or something. And then I'm like, okay, now I can be here. I just needed to kind of offload that before I can kind of be present.
0: No, those are, those are both really good, um, tactics. Uh, I find that, um, for me, it's more of, um, the importance of kind of having a daily habit. So like, um, just by doing things in short sequence, um, as opposed to like big bursts, um, I tend to – it's it's like kind of like getting to exercise that part of the brain so that the, the, that part's been worked and so it's going to bug me less. Um, and then it's easier to kind of switch off. But I, I too also have to make like a pretty conscious effort to try like, you know, like for instance if if uh, Ben wants to kind of watch, um, you know, uh, Paw Patrol together <laughs> or and, and play with toys and stuff. I have to get in dad mode and kind of right. get in the zone and like be able to be present for him. Um, and that definitely has to be a conscious choice because it is tempting to, to go one of two routes, which is like um, one would be like the, well, I'm exhausted from work kind of route or the other, Oh, there's limited time. So I have to think about this thing cause I need to work on this thing and being just like constant work mode. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. The idea of like making a kind of conscious choice, um, and then I agree with you on the idea too, of um, sometimes there, you know, there are also times and seasons where um, you just have to be on like yeah. a lot, you know. Um, and like if I have a really you know uh, important client who needs something tomorrow, I have to go into like hyperdrive of that and uh, and then, you know, kind of do the reverse where I'm like, it's not family time, it's crunch time, you know. Um, But it is, it is fascinating to me how I I struggle with that less now that I have a daily habit of working on creative work. Like it's easier for me to kind of have a moment um, when I'm done of just going, okay, I'm done and step back and not even really open that um, mode of thinking till I get home, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but
1: Yeah. I also think, um, I also think environment and habit come into play. Um, because, and and we've talked about this in the past, like when I was a young art director, um, you know, there's, you're solving hundreds of problems a day for dozens of different people and, and you're balancing weird internal politics plus like suppliers and plus like, you know, your team and, and the people that your team are having to interact with. Um, and so a lot of it becomes very much like, um, kind of rapid fire, kind of Gatling gun, like kind of receive and give, you know? Um, and so I remember for a while I would come home and, and, uh, and at first it was, it was really problematic because I lived, I lived like two miles from home. And so it didn't take me or I'm sorry, I lived two miles from work. And so it didn't take me very long to get home. And, And I remember coming home and it would cause it would cause problems because like my wife and I, we don't order each other around. She doesn't give me like a honey do list and I don't, you know, come home and, you know, put my foot down on stuff or whatever the normal kind of expectations that you get off of sitcoms are. Um, you know, we, we ask each other to do things and we, we request time and like, we were very like respectful of each other and, and each other's time. And so when I would get home and still be in that work mode, I'd be like, all right, this needs to happen. Uh, I need you to get this done by, by this time. And then tell me how that goes. And then I need, I need this. And she's like, Whoa, Hey, I don't work for you. Uh, you know? And so eventually I, I recognized that because I had started with like a 45 minute commute Yeah. That that had become part of my routine to allow my brain, like the time and the environment to like recognize, like you're going into work now. Now you you think like this and you're going home now. Now you think like this, there's kind of that, that idea that, um, you know, you are at work who you are at home. And I think like core value that is true. Like if you're a dishonest person that, that kind of permeates every aspect of your life but I think modes of thinking and operating are way different in different environments, you know? And so um, I had to actually like, because my, my commute time got shortened, I had to like, kind of like make conscious decisions to be like, you know, in the home, this is, this is kind of the hierarchy. It's a very flat structure, you know, in the, in the workforce, it's a very vertical structure. And so like, like thinking about like my goals and my priorities with my relationships with people, um, you know, is, is really important. And so, um, and the way that we communicate, like I'm a communications professional, I have, I have degrees in it. And like the way that we communicate with each other is significant and important. And so I make sure to not use specific language with, people on equal footing, um, that I do with other people who are above or below me in a hierarchical structure. Um, you speak differently, you know, to a child, to an employee, to a superior, um, you know, those are different than somebody who's, who's on the same level of hierarchy, like your, your spouse, um, or your friends. Those are, those are different modes of speech. And I feel like the modes of speech that I use also helps me stay in the right mindset. And so if you're used to kind of like bossing your family members around, um, you're going to have difficulty switching mindsets and it's going to damage and hurt your relationships.
0: Yeah. 100%. And, and, um, I've had that struggle too, where it's like, you know, almost getting in a, like, well, I'm giving a directive kind of moment right. and then like, right. wait, what am I talking about? Right. I don't give directives here. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. But it's, it's, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: It is a weird switch, you know, Um, because you have to do it so quickly, like without thinking um, too much at work. It's like you almost have to make it like impulse because you, you know, have to make quick decisions. Right. Lead people out of, you know, pretty hairy situations sometimes very quickly. So, you know, um, yeah, it is. That is um, that was a definite struggle for me. Still continues to be occasionally.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm doing that right now. I I keep catching myself um we we're, we're, we just got our tax return and our we are due for a new vehicle. Um and what I would like and what my wife would like are drastically different. Um but it's going to be her she's going to be driving it's going to be her primary vehicle. I've got my motorcycle. Um yeah. and so I keep catching myself trying to influence that decision as if I was getting buy-in from a group of people at work and then I'm like no I'm just I'm giving my opinion this isn't my decision and so um I keep you know I keep like trying to influence it and then I catch myself being like no 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 this is different you know and so so we're probably going to end up with a minivan is is what's going to happen for our Uh our, our family of four um And that's and that's okay, But I have to, like, make a conscious decision to be okay with that, because I'm normally like, you know, I want you know, I want a Highlander. I want a pilot. I want something like that. I don't I don't want another minivan. I hate minivans, but it's not my thing. And, you know, so anyway, it's kind of it's kind of like that type of thing. Also, I was thinking like the way that we communicate with clients and the way that we communicate with collaborators can also help like switch different modes. Um, And I I was just noticing this with Scott um, over the weekend that like um, we have a great working relationship. We haven't collaborated on anything before. You know, we're we're friends and we know each other and we've had long conversations on here and on Artcasters and everything. Um, But when it came to collaboration, I noticed um, that both of us were, um, I don't want to say careful because neither of us is like, going to get offended or hurt or anything, but very intentional with like the request that we're making and the suggestions that we're making. And ultimately it's, um, it's his client. And so, uh, I'm working for him. And so there's, there's, I'm, I'm, you know, making sure to do this, but when I speak to clients, um, I found that if you like give, um, th- there's, there's this, there's this kind of razor's edge of balance where, if you misunderstand what I'm about to say, you're going to end up being like an overbearing jerk. Um, Right. But if you like, if you apologize a lot and you give a ton of control, like verbally to whatever's going on and you become very subservient to your clients, then you're not servicing your clients well. And on the flip side of that, you know, if you start bossing them around and you start like trying to speak from some sort of elitist ivory tower about what, you know, you deserve and things like that, you know, then you're also like, you've become too overbearing. And so the, like the way that we communicate with our clients and stuff is also very intentional um, because of yeah. the mindset. And if I start like, you know, Hey, whatever, whatever you need. And you know, the, the customer is always right. Is really only true in retail? Um, you know, and so if I start like that type of mentality of just, hey, I'll do whatever you need, whatever whatever it is. And, you know, just just let me know. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm not here to think. I'm not here to, to help. I'm just here to do. You know, I'm just voice activated designer guy. Um, as soon as I start communicating that way with a client, the relationship shot.
0: Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense because there are times, especially with clients where they don't know, um how bad what they're asking for is you know right um and you're kind of the expert so it's on you to at least make it clear to the client um what would be a better solution yeah Um, but if you're the overly critical guy or the person who's like well i have a degree in blah 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 um (laughs) that's a quick way to turn somebody off and you just you know if you imagine what that would be like from perspective of somebody ordering a hamburger and you're like, Hey, I want my hamburger done this way. And, uh, the the person's like, well, how long have you been cooking? I've been cooking for a long time. That's not how you want your hamburger. And you're like, I'm pretty sure I want my hamburger. Well, I'm a cook and I did all this stuff and I've done professional (laughs) cooking for this. How long have you done professional cooking? Eventually you're just going to be like, you know what? I'm just just going to another restaurant. It's absurd, man. Like I just, you know, so it's, it's that fine line of like, you know, you do want to give good customer service um, and at the end of the day, it is their call to make. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. But depending on, on where you're at, if you're like some rock star artist who has the ability to call the shots however you want and you can just pick and choose whatever clients you want. Good on you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And you can get that way. Um, you can get that way either by being kind of the top of your game, you know, kind of best in class in, in your niche. Um, Or you can get that way by uh, having a day job and, and getting to be very picky with the clients that you do choose to take on. Like if if I don't, I don't need clients. And so when somebody comes to me and, uh, and they say, Hey, I've got this, I've got this project. I get to look at that project and say, that seems like something I would enjoy doing. So I'm going to do it. Or that seems something like something that I wouldn't enjoy doing. So let me introduce you to one of my friends.
0: No, that is one of the greatest joys of uh, of having my day job is the ability to turn things down. Yeah. Um, and not that I like turning things down, but um, generally the clients I take on right now are ones I've had for years that are incredibly good. Um, and then other than that, it'll be like, does this sound like fun? If not, why do I need to do it? <laughs>
1: yeah. I like turning stuff down where I'm not going to enjoy doing it and that's not because i'm like you know i only do stuff that's fun it's because if i hate it it's gonna it's not gonna be the best for the client and so yeah. um i would rather give them you know somebody who's going to be super into into the project and so you know there there are things that i'll knock out real fast in an afternoon but if it's going to take me time and uh and i'm not going to like it then then i know hundreds of students that would just love the experience you know and i know lots of lots of designers and illustrators that um you know that that have different interests than i do and different styles and things like that i mean one of my favorite projects though just along these lines we are way off on a tangent now i just realized um but one of my favorite projects um they came to me having first gone to fiverr or one of those one of those kind of whatever you want to call those uh places the super cheap like not worth working for thing. things. yeah yeah right and uh and they had gotten um some illustrations that were very painterly um and they almost looked like kind of like high fantasy like oil painting you know frazetta stuff um and um and they were like we want you to do this how much would you charge and i said well before i even take this on which I think the concept of this project would be phenomenal like look at my portfolio and and you can tell that I do not know how to paint you know I illustrate very well but I don't know how to do the style that you're showing me so if you want the concept in my style I can do that but if you want if you want like a painterly style then I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to give you to somebody else because I'm not gonna to learn to paint on your dime, you know. And so and uh, and they looked they looked at it and they said, No, I love it. I think it's great. And, I, and so I'm really glad that I was able to communicate with them at the beginning, like and not try to be like, Oh, I need I need the money. I need the job. And it paid really well. It was a great job, and I still love that. I just talked about it today in class. It's the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse as motorcycle riders, like it's right up my alley, like highly symbolic, religious and motorcycles. And, and so it was, it was like a, it was a, it was a great project, but had I just taken it because I was excited about it without clarifying, I, I bet I would have, you know, like turned in all these inked lines and flats and stuff. And they would have been like, what the crap is this? Like I expected like a, like a Frazetta painting, you know, Yeah. but I set that at the beginning and then they were like, yeah, I think that'll work. I think that's great.
0: Yeah, managing expectations is a massively um that's that's something that you hopefully learn early, but you'll definitely learn it at some point <laughs> in, in illustration and design. And hopefully you'll learn it sooner than later because all it takes is one disappointed client that you didn't manage the expectations of. Um and that just goes for anything, really.
1: Or, 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 you won't learn that, and you'll become one of those really bitter, angry people that changes careers, and blames yeah. bad clients. Oh, it's right. all bad clients, and the whole industry is trying to take advantage of you and everything. And it's like, while that does exist, if you manage the expectations correctly, then you're fine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because if if they if I were to say uh, I don't paint, this is what I do. Look at my work do you want what I can offer? And they said, no, we want you to paint. I would say, I, I don't do that. So on, and off we go. That's not a bad client. That's just not, not a fit for me. But, yeah. uh, but had I, had I not managed that expectation and then they get super mad at me and we go through these like series of like hundreds of revisions and there's project creep and I'm losing my shirt on the project. Like, I'm going to be like, oh, this client is terrible and blah, 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 when really it was my fault for not managing the expectations in the beginning. Um, and so, yeah, it is really interesting. You're either going to learn that or you're not going to do this very long.
0: Yeah, that's a very f- fair point. Um, and also the neat thing is uh, if you like recommend to a client, like somebody who knocks it out of the park, you've actually also created a really good relationship with a potential client. Wow, we are off on a tangent though. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I I feel like, honestly, I don't really have too much to add to that, except I will say, I I do think it's important to have that part of your brain going, especially during dead periods like the, you know, when you're working on your own personal creative projects, you kind of open Pandora's box um, to sort of allow your brain to start working on these problems. Because really, as visual artists, we're just problem solvers. And so like, you know, when you start solving complex problems that you really want to solve, um, be prepared for that to kind of follow you in your, in your free time. But I do think it is important to also acknowledge when that starts overloading and kind of consuming your free time. Like, um, one of the reasons I took a day job instead of just doing freelance, um, one of the main components was I, I had a lot of difficulty being present, um, for my family. Yeah. Uh, when my son was, was, uh, first born because I was just working nonstop and I couldn't stop thinking about work. Um, because I'm one of those paranoid, like, you know, if there's not 10 clients lined up, then I'm going to be out of a job kind of guys. (laughs) Um, and, and so, uh, one of the things I like about the day job that, that, and this was something that consciously took time too, because the first few years of that day job were pretty all consuming. So I just dropped everything. You know, yeah, um but one of the things I've learned really effectively is like how to kind of leave leave the work at work, but your own personal projects kind of work in the same way as like a nine to five sometimes where it's like you it is important to be able to leave it where it is, um and kind of acknowledge when it's when it's like you know maybe this isn't the best time to think about it, and like pick up tactics like Corey was talking about, like take a note or um, you know, write it down, put it somewhere that you can leave it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think, I think that's really good. I'm also curious just to know if anybody's watching this back, like you guys, most of our community are creating stuff. And so how do you guys handle that? How do you turn off, um, the brain, like the, the creative brain, um, but not in a destructive way. Like how do you turn it off without cutting the pipeline? Right.
1: Numb it with drugs and alcohol and abusive behavior that's what you do <laughs> that's just, always a
0: fact. just numb it into a
1: cloud that's that's the <laughs> that's what you should do yeah well um, yeah I think that was great um, and I think uh, I think a couple more topics that that can pop up I think that we should cover in the future um, everybody is always and, and I think we could talk about this at length and probably Scott would be a great one to have so maybe this will be Monday but um, everybody's f- super hyper focused on getting clients and landing clients. Um, very few people like realize that in the beginning that like keeping clients and managing clients is like way more important than that. Um, yeah. And everybody always says, well, if I don't have any clients, then, you know, I can't manage them or whatever, but like the clients are going to come. And if you, if you, uh, if you give them like what they want and you manage the expectations, well, Um, and you, you, you turn them away or introduce them to somebody who's going to be a better fit in certain situations. Like all of that means repeat work and word of mouth and all kinds of stuff. And it really starts to kind of snowball. Um, so anyway, that, that'd be an interesting topic is, is not getting clients, but like keeping them and, and managing them and giving them the value that they're, that you can offer. And so, Yeah. Um, okay, so we have a we have a Kickstarter that is still live. So if you uh, are watching this now or watching this later, go check out one hundred days of making slash c o r y k. Um,
0: yeah, that's Josh K, which is uh, you know one hundred days,
1: and you can pronounce it however you like as long as you type c o r y k, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is uh that we've got we've got 28 uh indie comic book artists um of varying different um kind of backgrounds um all telling really cool stories about um cryptids and crazy creatures and mythological beings um and a bunch of different things and it's an anthology called werewolves and unicorns um we are we funded within the first 26 hours of the campaign um it slowed down a little bit uh, in the last day or two just because that's kind of normal for Kickstarters. Um, so now would be a great time to back. And uh, and that'd be awesome. And so if you want to see some of Josh's work, some of my work, um, a lot of people in the chat, a lot of people in the community um, are involved, go check that out on Kickstarter um, while it is available because soon it will no longer be available and you can only get it from uh, from the creators themselves. So that would be awesome. And you can also check out Josh's stuff by going to joshuakimble.com, um, and um, you can see quarterlystories.com. And if you want to see my stuff, you can always go to um, – oh, dang, I thought those would be the credits. So this is why I need the buttons. That's the button I was going for. Um, if you want to check out my stuff, you can go to corykerr.com, C-O-R-Y-K-E-R-R.com. And I'm going to start kind of plugging my email newsletter again because um, – want to do that so uh slash email um is a good way to go for the very rare random times that uh that i will be sending out newsletters and i'm having to approve everybody who's leaving all these links um so if you'd like to support anybody in the chat for any particular reason there's a few links in there from scott and josh and i think probably others are going to start showing up
0: so anyway Mm -hmm the hundred days of making comics.com backslash josh k just mentioning it and j-o-s-h-k i don't know what's going on with the weird spelling earlier but we just wanted to clarify that <laughs> by the way curry is killing it on this thing so which is awesome so
1: oh i haven't checked with the recent numbers
0: mm, I, I, the last ones i saw you were you were pretty up there scott and i i think are kind of neck and neck so you guys you guys are neck
1: and neck yeah. All right. We will see you guys in a couple of days. Go make cool stuff.
0: Yes.